Hello and welcome to episode 500 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew. 500, half a millennia of dominance over the podcasting market. How good's it been? It's, it's been a solid eight months. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Remember how it started? It was a lot of intense negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I should go back and have a look at what the intense negotiation was, but I'm pretty certain it was about three or four messages and that was it. Do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, all right then. How do we do it? I don't know. Let's get on Skype and see what happens. Yeah, and then we press record and here we are 500 episodes later. I remember you'd posted on Twitter, oh, I should do a podcast, and I'd been thinking about doing it for like eight years. And so I just messaged you and said, let's stop fucking around and do one. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of the way I operate. I kind of just need someone to kick me in the ass to get things going, and then I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of kicking me in the ass, we've got my boss on the line as well. Andrew, Join, joining us, joining us on the episode. There you are the boss. It's Sean Dolan from Rugby League Project. How you going, mate? I'm going fantastic. I feel like I'm in a time warp at the moment. Looking right. at Skype. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have, I've, you know, I haven't, I literally haven't used this for, based on my conversation history, about 10 years. Yeah, so the last time you used Skype, the West Tigers still hadn't played in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, before we really get into it, congratulations mm. to you both on 500. Thanks. I mean, there's one test cricketer in the history of the game, and that's a lot of history that scored 500 runs, and that was Brian Lara. So you're in rare air now. Yeah, and we've done it, like, when it's relevant too, unlike Brian Lara. So <laughs> it's, it's been good. It's been really good. Well, we, yeah, I don't know. We, we could talk about the quality of opposition, but I don't actually listen to other podcasts anymore. So no. No, neither do I. I, um, I, was, I was going to be egotistical and say I only listen to the ones that I'm on. But I don't even listen to our one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been good. It's uh, it's weird to think we've done five hundred of them, and like we jump on to talk about footy, we never prepare, and we end up talking for two hours at a time about it, and we cut it off because it's getting too late. Like we could just keep talking all night if we wanted to, because we have done before. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, we did a few of those live episodes. Remember those overnight and uh. They would go for three, four hours. Yeah, what was the longest one we did? Like, I feel like it was close to was, six. Probably. There was one watching a football game where the game went for almost six hours. Yeah, that one, yeah. That was fucking nuts. <laughs> anyway, so, Sean, tell me about the first time you started doing one shred of work on Rugby League Project. One shred of work? Well, it was actually funny you asked that. It was when I was supposed to be doing actual paid work at a job at a desk in a little suburb in Sydney called Lewisham where I had a job working in a research and development. Uh, what do you call it when when a business owner finds out a way to get money from the government and they take advantage of it? Scam? Research no, no, and development it's not money. Scam. Well, whatever that was. So I just I hope at the end of this that. you don't say you worked at Pfizer, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> This is a business that no longer exists, and, and it was a good company. I enjoyed it, but yeah. uh, I was a little bored. There wasn't a lot to do, and there wasn't a lot riding on what I did, so 
uh, yeah, it, it just turned into um, trying to bide my time. And I think I think Andrew might have talked about how it all started in the past about how it was going to be a Cowboys thing. And I was like, well, no one's got a Cowboys site up. I remember actually finding the Panthers fan site back then. This was in 04, I think it all kicked off. And um, I was like, we need some Cowboys representation. And then I got so much information and I thought, you know what, this is like, it's like when um, you discover something more than you start something. It felt like I was discovering something that the internet and the world needed. And so I just ran with it. I went, you know what? Let's just let's just kick it off. And I, the first season I did was 1995, because that was just the information I was finding. I think I found it on a, an old old website called The Vault. Yeah, I remember that one. Absolute legendary website. And I just went, you know what? Let's just put this into a database mm-hmm. and make it happen. And that was, yeah, that was. 2004, 2005, one of those two years was when I really actually started working on it. And so you, you put it together, you make a website out of it. Uh, when did this bludger stroll in and say, oh, I'll take credit for all of this? <laughs> uh, it's a few years after, I think it was about maybe 2008. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I want to say. Like, because yeah. we, okay, so the, the history of Andrew and I, I should chuck in is, um, dates back to our league, I believe. All right. Or did we kick it off on no, it League was, Unlimited? It was League Unlimited, yeah. Yeah. So I, my first exposure to internet forums was basically our league, the world of our league. Wasn't and that a wonderful place to, <laughs> hey. Was just, that, just was that one of those MSN yeah. groups things? No, it was just a forum. It's oh, just but it got blown up by Ray Hadley. <laughs> yeah, during the Bulldog stuff, hey. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then, so uh, everyone yeah. refugeed their way on over to League Unlimited. And that was where I met my friend Andrew, yeah. a.k.a. Mad Unit. That's it, I yeah. I could legally say did that you, on, on this podcast. But... So you called yourself Andrew. <laughs> that, that was my uh, my username on the forums. I started out on the official West Tigers forum mm-hmm. and, and got kicked off for um, – not um, not being positive enough about the West Tigers. Yeah. And, Can't uh, imagine that. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um, so I think it was about late 2005, and I was pretty much running the um, <laughs> running the mantra then that the, the Tigers are going to jag their way all, the, all the way to the premiership here because they just had an easy run all the way through, and all the West Tigers fans going, oh, we've heard this. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, you know, we have had the easier run. And then I swore at someone and got got suspended for two weeks. So then I went over to the League Unlimited forum, mm-hmm. found the West Tigers forum, made one post, and then found they had a South Sydney one. And so I basically just bombarded that with South Sydney hate. <laughs> you did the South Sydney hate thing like I did early on. Yeah, so, well, you know, you got to pick the easy targets. I was I was doing that in '98. <laughs> Fucking crazy. <laughs> Oh, I didn't have the internet in 98 because I lived in the country. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> one day they'll get the internet out there too. One day, one day. It'll be good. It's coming in a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you two team up. Andrew obviously has a, a thing for rugby league history and, and Sean, you've got this website. And uh, when did you discuss – when did the discussion sort of start where you thought, let's work together and, and build something here? Well, Andrew was the one that – 
came forward to me. So I didn't I didn't really have this idea of how I was going to bring people in because I knew it was more than I could handle. That was clear as day. And initially, I actually had it set up so I would say put all the data in for a specific competition or a season and then once I was finished and I'd verified it all and I was happy that the data was correct, then I would go bang, hit a button, and it would go live on the site that everyone could see. So people didn't actually see all the work I was doing in the background. And then Andrew came along and he said, hey, um, you know, my name's Andrew. I'm writing a book. I'm really interested in what you're doing. I want to help out. You know, what can I do to help? And I'd already had a really good association with Andrew on the Forum 7s competition that we used to be a part of. And we were both in the same team together, and that team was the Panthers. It was, yeah. Funnily enough. We and were, let's be honest, we were phenomenal. We were the best, clearly. clearly. And we got robbed by the refs every time because they ran the uh, the competition. Yes. That's a whole other story for another time. <laughs> and um, so no, I, fuck we, name names. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, we'd, already re- we'd already established a really good rapport, so we were good mates. I trusted him completely. I still do. And, yeah, like you said before, he's taking credit for everything we've done, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we just figured it out from there. And and I mentioned the thing about sort of being very gently, gently with the data that went live to the website because Andrew really encouraged me to say, look, you've got all this stuff sitting here. Let's just get it all out there Mm. and sort it out later on. And Mm. that's the way we've handled it ever since, and it's been great. That's cool. Now, when did... When did the site start to get some momentum? Because there's always a point where, like, you're doing things, you're having fun, you're sort of, if no one was going there, you, you're just having fun by yourself. And then one day you kind of look at the numbers and you go, wait a minute, what the fuck is going on here? And it starts building. And you just do, you're just just having fun. You're still doing the same things you, you, you've always been doing. When did that point happen? It was around, I'd say it's, pretty much around the same time that Andrew got on board. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, initially, it was on my own personal website, which was on naughty.nu, and that was a domain name I registered on the cheap in 2000 because there was a deal running on .nu domain names, and that was available, and I thought, hey, He's one of these funny. fucking people that buys addresses. Wow. <laughs> well, they only got one, and then they jacked the price up the following year, but I was stuck with it, so ah, that's okay. a whole other thing. So it was originally naughty.nu slash RL project, and then I think it was 05, so probably about eight or so months after I'd started it. It started to get a little bit of traffic and a little bit of attention. I'd obviously push it a little bit on the forums as well, saying to people, hey, I'm doing this, check it out. And that's when I registered the domain name. So we call that the birthday of Rugby League Project in 05. Oh, cool. And then actually it was originally rugbyleagueproject.com, and I thought, nah, it all sounds better because it's like we don't want to – associate ourselves with money mm-hmm. and yeah the the numbers really started to get a little bit of momentum about when andrew got on board so towards the end of the 2000s i'd say mm-hmm. and nowadays i was just looking at the numbers earlier on today actually and this year in the month of august we got over a million visits that's in fucking that, brilliant in that calendar month so yeah. so it was on the back of um for all the nerds out there, SEO, organic SEO was what got the numbers really rolling. And it takes Google a couple of years to really trust the domain name. Mm-hmm. So that's that sort of coincided with 
a bit of know-how on my part because I do this for a living. I knew what would work on Google in terms of organic SEO, so giving page titles and content, the sort of stuff that people would be typing into searches and mm-hmm. then just let it grow over time, was patient, and then, yeah, now when you search for stuff, it tends to come up pretty strongly. So, Yeah, I, I got in on SEO stuff before it was even called SEO as well. Oh, um, yeah. and it just sort of, I just lucked into it. Like it just, what I was doing worked and it does like if you got in early, Google's really kind to you, um, which is awesome because I guess now because everyone's doing SEO, I think that the thing that they weigh back onto is how long something's been doing good SEO for. Um, and that's where they send the traffic to. Um, well that like, that's great. That's a pretty straightforward story. I was going to say, a good example of League Freak's ability with SEO is if you go to Google and type in the the 2024 NRL draw, he's on the first page of results. Exactly. That's hey, brilliant. Hey, Andrew, <clears throat> put in the 2025 NRL draw. See who comes up then. How many years have you got there? We got <laughs> first on the list. Put in the 2026 NRL draw, Andrew. <laughs> You're all over it, Freaky. Hey, I, am I there? Have I done 26? No, you haven't. Okay, I'll get on to that tonight. Yeah, and those those pages were made fucking years ago, hey. Um, but, yeah, so so you've got this website. It's humming along. When did you just realise, both of you, that this website was starting to become a really important reference for not only people that were just you know, curious about rugby league statistics, but people within the game, um, people within the media, when did you realise that was starting to happen? It was when a a very famous legendary player by the name of Darren Lockyer was rapidly approaching his 350th game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could could cite a couple of things that happened before that. One one of my favourite moments in the history of Rugby League Project was when I was at work one day and I got an email i think from david fairley saying hey i came across your website can i give you a call and i was like fucking hey you can like <laughs> david fairley you <laughs> he actually called me and just basically said well done keep it up and that was oh, that awesome. was a really awesome sort of moment i was just like stoked the whole time i was on the phone with him um but yeah this was a moment where darren Lockie was approaching his 350th game and, you know, obviously the media was saying he's about to pass the, the great Terry Lamb's record of 349 games. And Andrew and myself always had a tendency to double and triple check everything that we had because the functionality of the site is such that all numbers are generated based on what's in the database. Mm-hmm. So I don't have anything in the database that says, you know, Terry Lamb had played let's say 349 games because we had every game that he appeared in. So there was literally a query in there based on where you went that said, based on him being in these games, he adds up to 349. The problem was his number added up to 350. Mm-hmm. And you, this this wasn't uncommon. This had happened a few times. Like, you know, you'd watch an old game and it would come up on the screen saying it was so-and-so's 100th game. So we'd go, oh, that game is his 100th. So let's check it back and make sure we haven't missed any. So we start checking Terry Lamb and it turned into an absolute marathon because all the numbers we had added up to 350. So we started to make a little bit of noise about it. And then there was a guy that had a a pretty popular 
uh, sort of NRL news site that I think it was WD Nicholson, was it? That's the one, yeah. He got in touch with this and he, he wrote an article about it and blew it up a little bit because we basically proved that he played 350 games. And this was going again. Like, we didn't do it lightly. We went and checked with West's historians because he played a bunch of games there in the early 80s, and we checked with Bulldogs historians and made sure that it all matched up and added up and we couldn't find where it was wrong. And So it became a bit more of a thing than just something's happening here. We even had the, the Bulldogs historian go through match tapes to see if he could actually see Terry Lynn running onto the field in the games that we weren't sure on. Mm-hmm. And he confirmed, oh, yeah, he ran on the field in this game. And, yeah, he was there for that one. And I could see him over there in the background in the defensive line. And you're like, <laughs> okay, cool. We, we can tick all these ones. So, yeah, um, that was that was probably a moment where we started to realise, well, I started to realise for sure that the site's definitely getting noticed now because it blew up a little bit on Twitter and, and the other socials. And we even started to get a little bit of hate from Broncos fans saying that we're trying to steal thunder off of Darren Lockyer's milestone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting. And I even got a, a call from the great David Middleton to discuss what was going on too. So it was pretty serious. And then we ended up having a conversation with the NRL over it. Yeah. So who, who was it at the NRL you talked to? Oh. <laughs> who the fuck was it? it was, whoever was pretty high up. Yeah, it was the media manager. So Andrew right. and I ended up making a, having a bit of a chat about it because we got the impression that it wasn't something that, you know, whether whether it was the NRL or I think this is pre-ARLC. I don't yes, know it was. It was. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the Bulldogs themselves didn't really want to make a lot of fanfare about it. I think we spoke with Todd Greenberg when he was at the Dogs at the time. Yes, that's right. From memory. So... They they didn't want to basically come out and say, oh, we were wrong. It was actually 350, you know, because you don't want to admit that you're wrong yeah. in that sort of situation. And there was talk about things like, you know, people have memorabilia that say, have, have his picture on it and it's got the 349, you know, stressed about people freaking out because the number's wrong now. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay. So we sort of pushed it a little bit, but on the quiet. We we were we were respectful of their wishes because we didn't want to make any enemies. And um, it was a real moment when we, I think it was the 2009 season. I'm trying to think of what year it was that it all came about. Maybe nine to ten. But whatever year it was, the following year I got the preview, one of those little sort of A5 size little booklets that have all the players for each team and their prospects and whatnot. And in that book, it had players with the most games. It had Lockyer with 351 or whatever he ended up on. And then below that was Terry Lamb, 350. And that was the moment where I thought, we're making a difference. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good. And that was where I felt like we really become something more than just a goofy little website on the internet. Like we're becoming part of something more important. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> that sort of thing seems to have carried forward too in that all the statistics that you you both do put together, and I know there's a team of people that, that help with that, um, it's not just thrown on there, you know, haphazardly. It's all researched and double-checked and triple-checked, and if ever there's a query about something, you know, you reach out to people, you go back through things, you talk to people that know stuff and 
and make sure that it's all correct. And I think that that's why Rugby League Project is the number one rugby league stats site um, because of that work and care and dedication that's put into it that everyone knows if you get a statistic off there, it's it's a good statistic. You can you know that it's been thoroughly researched. So um, being able to to have that reputation is solid gold. I mean, yeah, I your your support has been tremendous, of course, over the years, and and that extends to the whole rugby league community. Like, you know, I've I've seen a few examples where people get really behind us, and they understand that sometimes the data is incomplete or sometimes it doesn't add up, or sometimes I literally roll out some code on production that is just broken. Like, literally today, I had to fix an issue on the 1986 uh, New South Wales Rugby League ladder because all of the ladders on the site as well are calculated from the match results, Mm -hmm. right? So (laughs) given all of the mad shit that happens with different competitions over the years, and this includes World Cup groups, this includes... You know, like the Super 8s garbage that happened over in England <laughs> yeah, in, in the mid-2010s. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of the different comps that have had buys and not buys and, you know, everything under the sun. It, there's a there's a big block of code in there that handles all that. So sometimes things go a little bit askew. And, yeah, there was uh, – 1986 had a playoff between, I think, Balmain and Norths. And for whatever reason, the code was including that playoff game in the – kind of normal season matches mm-hmm. and it took one of their buyers out. So they were lacking a buy and they went down to sixth and seventh and the dragons were fifth. So my good mate, Stephen Russo, thank you, mate, for pointing that out. I'll fix that up and now it's back to normal. So there's, you know, people understand that they, they know that we're working hard all the time and little mistakes happen and they're, they're really respectful of that. And they reach out and just say, Hey, uh, just notice this. Can you fix it up? And we'll do it as soon as we see it, except for, one that you gave me, Andrew, last week that I still haven't got to. That's a duplicate game. Oh, yeah. Where's so, the yeah. duplicate game? Where can we look that up? I, uh, it was something to do with the USA versus Ireland A or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah some international. <clears throat> the, it was reported in two different ways, and so it got recorded at two different times as two different games. But it was, um, I think one way it said USA versus Ireland A, and another one said USA versus Ireland A. So it looked like different games. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, and further research, you look at it and go, uh, yeah, that's the same game, and then you just delete one. I also remember a line by Roy Masters where he said, and it was around the time the storm had, had been found out, they broke the starter cap, and Roy Masters said that the, the official um, statistics, rugby league statistics, will start looking like somebody's um, homework that they have just all these wrong answers in because it's got marks and, you know, teams lost points and all this stuff. It's That always sticks with me. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you both. I'll ask Andrew first, and then I'll ask you, Sean. What is your favourite, number one favourite statistic in rugby league history? Statistic? Yes. Um, ooh. See, I, I think the best ones is... The phenomenal ones. So the best one is the the two times that Andrew Eddinghausen scored um, five tries in a game fell on the same date, but on different years. And now I've got to find out what it is. It's sometime in August from memory. How about you, Sean? What's yours? My favourite stats revolve around a, a famous bloke called Brian Bevan. Mm-hmm. 
His numbers defy belief. Like, you know, we have Bradman in cricket. This guy's the equivalent in rugby league. Absolutely insane number of tries and points that he scored in England. Um, there's I, I haven't not cited a specific one because he has so many wow sort of records that you, mm-hmm. you, it's hard to just pick one. Yeah. But he's usually what I go to when I look at stats that just blow your mind. He's in um, Albert Rosenfeld. The the sheer volume of tries he scored in such a short period of time. Um, those two would be. I mean, I can't wait to put those in there because they are insane. Yeah, they're both out there. I bet Andrew could probably guess mine if I said one number to him. Forty nine. Forty nine. Yeah. Oh, was that when the Magpies won their last premiership? No. Oh. <laughs> 49. Um, this is 49, num- not, number, not tri- 49. number of tries by Nathan Cleary? Nope. Am I close? Come on. Come on, Andrew. You're talking a league freak. 49. 49. Is this going to be a Jerome Luai stat? No. Okay. It's one less than 50. Oh, yeah. Because one of them was an exhibition game. Didn't fucking count. Oh, right. Now you got me. Is that... Uh... The number of internationals played by, is it Gary Schofield? Yep. 49, <laughs> not 50. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. <laughs> uh, that came out in a conversation after I'd been doing some work with the International Rugby League about which games we're going to include and not include. And, and they tried hard, didn't they? There was a very brief discussion about how we should include games against the rest of the world. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. The games, it's games between, you know, international countries, yeah. not international conglomerates. Mm. Um, so as much as uh, I didn't really get my way there because there was a series that was played in, in Europe back in, you know, either sides of both world wars as a European cup or something like that. Um, and for several of those years, England, France, Wales would play against other nations. And the ruling that was made was if a if international teams, like well, what they used to be called was test nations, were playing in an international um, and officially sanctioned and recognised competition, then all teams competing in that competition will be um, given test status for those games. So... Um, other nationalities has a bunch of test matches mm-hmm. because of that. But because the rest of the world never actually played in tournaments, they often played games at, against the world champion at the end of a World Cup, but those games were not included as part of the tournament. That was like some exhibition thing at the end for a, a few extra dollars out of the gate. That was pretty much it. But if they had been included as part of the competition, then rest of the rest of the world would have been in, and uh, Gaz would be up to be up to fifty. But he's not. Um, <laughs> so what is it like to, to, to both of you to have a website that is very well known and stuff and just absolutely crushes the opposition into nothingness, it, like into dust? What's that like? I don't think about the opposition. I just worry about making it the best and making sure it does what it's going to do. Serve the community. Make sure it has all the information it has. Keep adding to it. I mean, this, this is the thing, Freak. We 
we have this perspective, or at least I have this perspective that it's it's called project because it's literally just a project that I do when I get spare time because mm-hmm. I'm not good at sitting around and grabbing the remote, grabbing a bowl of chips and just chucking on the telly and watching Desperate Housewives of Mount Druid or whatever it is that's on telly, right? I, Wouldn't I, that I be a shock? Like- Where? <laughs> That's that I'm pitching that by the way. That's that's separate. I shouldn't have mentioned it. But that's that's my thing is like I feel like I just need to be sort of hacking away at something. And this is something that has become I didn't plan it this way, but I could live till I'm hundred and fifty and I'll still have something to do. Yeah. Regardless of whether I'm working full time or not. So that's just how I feel about it. I, I try to keep it as unique and sort of me as possible because it's something that I want to be able to use. You know, I feel like a lot of the time I, I just have it there so I can actually use it. If I want to look something up, I just want to use my site and look it up because I know where it is <laughs> and I know it's going to be there. So, yeah, I, I tend to not think about winning necessarily. It's just having something to do. What, yeah, what, are, you, what are your thoughts, Andrew? Um, I'm not too much dissimilar. I... I don't really think too much about, um, you know, how how we look and stuff like that. It's more about, I don't know, that's going to sound negative, but I'm thinking about the the data that we don't have in there yet that I need to go find. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the moment I've started, and this is the problem I have too, is I don't often sit on one task long enough to finish it if I've come up against a bit of a wall. And I know I've got to go to a library or something like that down the road to go find some other stuff to finish it off. I'll just start something else mm-hmm. and then forget to go to the library and then I'll find the thing later on and go, oh, yeah, better do that next time I go down there. But um, so like at the moment I'm, I've am i started dabbling away at the Brisbane Rugby League, Queensland Rugby League competitions when they first began. Um, and I'm kind of motivated too by people telling me that uh, – all the information was lost and we we don't have any data. I was like, has has anyone tried? Yeah. Because I'm about to. Yeah. And I'll sit there and I'll – I think there was one of the competitions recently just before World War One, which it might have only had 60 games for the whole season. It took me several weeks to go through and find that stuff. And the, the year before was even worse and that took a few months um, and that's just score lines. That's not getting lineups and scorers and stuff like that. It's just the score lines. Um, but I'd, I'd rather have that stuff in there. And then when the opportunity presents itself, it's a lot easier to go back in there later on to find lineups when you know the date the game was played and what the mm-hmm. score line was. You just go, right, let's just go find the lineups. And you can narrow your search right down to a few days instead of doing this broad search over nine months or whatever, trying to find a needle in a haystack. This case, I mean, I'm I'm making the haystack really, really small, and so that's that's kind of what I try and do. Is if if there's a way you can chip away and put actual correct data in there, even though it's it may not be fully completed, but it's complete enough, like a scoreline with the venue and the date and stuff like that. Filling in the next lot of details is a lot easier because you know what you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I've, I have been getting better at this over the years of, of sticking on task for a lot longer. It used to be very, very um, all over the place. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've I've started to narrow down the way I work on things and get 
certain serious important things done first and completed properly before I start moving into other areas. I'm not good at it. I've just got better at it. (laughs) (laughs) I will admit that I'm still learning to sort of remember that if I have an idea and I think Andrew's the guy for this Mm -hmm. because of his areas of expertise, I'll just say it to him. And then without realizing it until after I've said it, he's onto it. Yeah. And I don't I don't know how to manage him properly yet because I I'm similar. <laughs> I just have an idea and I'm like, let's go, let's do it. This is this is huge. This is awesome. And yeah, we don't know how to kind of reconcile big jobs either. See, I, so, I worked that out about Andrew, uh, and it it probably took me a couple of years where where you'll say like Man, I wonder how many players have done this. Hey, oh, anyway, I was thinking about blah, blah, blah. and then like about four days later, he'll send you a list. Like he did it not long ago. I was talking about yeah. I'm going to put together a list of I think uh, I was going to do. I started off with like say the top ten uh, modern day halfbacks. That's right. Yeah. And and then <laughs> I was like, and then I and I added a couple of current halfbacks towards the end, not of the top ten, but just at, on the end of the list to give context that they're not in the list, basically. And Andrew's like, oh, these guys shouldn't be on here. And I was like, yeah, this is, you know, what I've done. And I was like, oh, all right. And then about, I think it was four or five days later, he's like, here's a list of every single halfback that's played in the modern day. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, you know, it was great. I still got to I got, still got to make use of that. So there'll be times where I'll be watching a game, and I know Andrew's watching a game, and I'll think of a question I'd love to ask him. But I know if I ask him that question, he will stop watching the game and start fucking researching. And I'm like, I'm not doing that to him. Yeah. The- don't worry about it, because if, if it's not you doing it, it's a lot of people on Twitter doing it. Okay. Um, well, I'd, I'd rather crush any um, happy time you've got to yourself than some other jerk, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, a lot of the times I'll, I'll research um, really unique questions yeah. over obvious ones. Yeah. So if someone says to me, "Oh, who scored the most points in the game?" I'm going, "I'm not. I'm not going to tell you that. You can do a Google search for that. Go find it for yourself." Mm-hmm. But if someone says, "Oh, what's the biggest turnaround between two teams in two games in a year?" Like, you know, the a team that won one game and then lost the other, and what's the biggest points difference? I go, "Yeah, you know, I'm not just going to give you the the biggest one. I'm going to go through and get you a list because <laughs> I want to know that as well." Yeah. And that's you, what it, that's what really drives it, isn't it? Like I, yeah. I remember we both spent a fair bit of time on that because we were both like, man, this is going to be interesting to find out the answer. And you sort of go into it going, you know, for me anyway, I go, right, I know of a bunch of games where or seasons where that's going to have happened where there were some big score lines. So you go, I want to see where those ones rank. And, uh, yeah, you just come across a bunch of others. You go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I didn't know that was there. That was interesting. And then the end result was... Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I remember I remember there was a point where, and I can't remember what point of his career it was, but it was like right towards the end for Andy Farrell. And it might have been when they were doing the um, going away party for him when he went to Rugby Union. And they were saying, he's the greatest Great Britain captain ever. So I was like, oh, okay. And I started researching all of his results as Great Britain captain. And it was abysmal. Guy's a <laughs> fucking loser. Um and it was just, I still, to this day, very happy about it. <laughs> As you would be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I want to mention something, too, that Andrew touched on before, where he talks about people telling him that the BRL records are gone and don't bother, and he's just like, 
what if we tried? Mm. There's there's such a long history of us doing things like that because there's an example I can think of is we wanted to document obviously all of the players that have played NRL slash New South Wales Rugby League since 1908. Yeah. And him and Greg Five Ash have been working for years and years now on compiling the individual match list. But in the meantime, we didn't have that. This was about 10 years ago. We just wanted the list of players to sort of say, these players played at these clubs over these years, right? And we had that information in the encyclopedias, which I'm sure we've all seen. We've got the list of players that played, and it shows you which years they played for which clubs. Yeah, that and Andrew like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Andrew and I look at that and go, gee, that'd be handy to be able to put that info onto the website. But it's, gee, it's a lot. This this book's like 500 pages long or whatever, like, you know. Next thing you know, I think you started from the back, maybe, and I started from the front or vice versa, and we just literally poured through the whole book. I built a tool for us to be able to speed run the data, and we just did it page by page until it was done. And that's like we've done that so many times in different scenarios where we just go, let's just start. Mm. Yeah, that was insane. Because that all come about the same time too that we had um, Alan Whitaker actually contact us and said, <laughs> like, we didn't approach him. He came to us and said, would you like all the biographies that are written for the encyclopedia? And we're like, oh, my God, it's Alan Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a couple of fangirls. Yeah, like the so... time we met Ian Heads, we're just like, <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. I think going back to a question you asked before about when you started to realise it was starting to get bigger, I think it was the first time we ever got mentioned as a credit in a book somewhere. I can't remember which book it was either. But we got a, a credit as being a source in a book. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, we're, we're now, like, we, like it's, it's more motivation to be absolutely correct because people are going to start using us as a reference. Yeah. Then, yeah, you can't. You can't be cutting corners. Not that we were, but you you got to stay right on top of your game the whole time with everything you do. You can't go take an easy way out on things or, or you know, assuming stuff or guessing or whatnot here or there. Um, you've got to make sure you, you're certain of what you're putting on there is absolutely correct. And, look, as, as we're finding out at the moment, there's still stuff on there which um, has historically been um, recorded wrong in every single source possible. But as um, sources and, and resources become more available and more easily accessible, like newspapers online and things like that, you can start to do a little bit more research and find out that, oh, you know what, this player's name's actually wrong or it should, it should have been a different player or these two guys are actually, that are separate are actually the same person. And you can start to fine-tune and start to correct little bits of details from the past as well, which has been... Pretty damn awesome to be able to get that stuff correct. Yeah, and like I think the the other thing that you have have done really well too is the, I, I guess the spirit that you put together rugby league project in as well is, and I found this when I was doing website stuff going back to like my first website I put together was 1998, and there were people that wanted to act like gatekeepers to things. And you guys have never been like that. You've always been like, we're putting everything out. It's all free. Every last single stat is free. Use it, and we don't ask for anything in return. And because of that, people see that. And so that that means that if you get somebody that 
has some obscure record that they've got their hands on somehow. They're so willing to like give you access to it because of the spirit that you have the website in, like it's a resource for everyone and, and it's free. And, and I think that that's one of the, I think that's probably the most amazing thing about the whole website. Well, I've been surprised at how generous people have been over the years because I, I do always have this thing in the back of my mind that thinks, okay, I'm, I know that people have already prepared a lot of this information over the years and they've worked really hard at it, but I just want this to be able to be seen by everybody. And and I think back to the days of the 90s, the 80s and the 90s when you had to be one of those privileged kids that had access to David Middleton's yearbooks to really be able to look into the numbers and stats and know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't have access to any of those. I mean, I grew up in a little regional town in Queensland called Maribyrnong. And I just didn't have those sorts of books. I didn't see them on the shelves. I just had to sort of watch what was on TV at, yeah. at the given time. And yeah. you, you lived know, in Queensland, didn't have books. Had nothing. We yeah. couldn't read. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I moved to New South Wales, learned how to read, first of all. Mm-hmm. And what is nice? I honestly have this vision where I imagine myself as a kid having access to the internet, how good it would have been. Yeah, And to be able to just see that stuff just by going and Googling for it and seeing it right there in front of my eyes without having to pay for it, without having to write a letter to something to get it sent away and, you know, mail ordered and stuff. Like, I just wanted kids to be able to have the info there. And that's a big motivator too. And I, I, I'm surprised at how often it's used. Like, you'd, you'd know how many websites get scraped yeah, and kind of bots running through it and ripping all the data out of it we get so much of that i look at the traffic and go man like that number i told you before is actually without all of the bots and scraping that goes on too that's actual human visitors yeah if i included those numbers it's out of control but it's it's i think that's a positive because it's information that i just want everyone to have access to and do whatever they want with yeah yeah i think the good thing is though that it's like it's not like that has happened and there's been a bunch of clones pop up. Like it's still the, – the, there's only one place to go for rugby league stats, and I think that that's the awesome thing about it, you know, because there, there is like – I think about it with rugby league writing because um, my site's obviously more about writing, and, uh, you know, eventually there's going to be a bunch of clone websites that are just like chat GBT, um written articles that are filled in with some stats and things like that. And eventually it's going to get really good. Like it just is because this stuff's only just starting and you can, you can see some of the articles that come out and you're like, Oh man, this looks like it's chat GPT, you know, but eventually it's going to get amazing and people are going to be able to just make a whole website and just let the computer run on it. And the next day the website's going to be finished. And I wonder what effect that's going to have on people writing about the game. Um, that hasn't happened with Rugby League Project. And I think because of its the changing nature of it, um, that's probably a, a, one of the positives that, you know, it's always getting updated and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you, you, it's so ingrained now as well. Like, you don't go anywhere else. You just go straight there. Everyone knows that. Well, that's an, that's an honour to know that people um, rate it as highly as they do. And I do feel that and I do see that, but it's still blows me away i mean i've been what it's nearly 20 years old now 
Like it's crazy to think about. Mm. I mean, mm. I was just thinking of a story that I forgot to mention about, you know, when you realise that people are really going to the site was I got home from work to a missed call back when I had a landline. This was like in 2009 maybe. And I had a missed call on my landline from someone named Penny, I think it was, at Fairfax Media. And I was just bewildered. I was like, mm. am I involved in something? Like, what's going on? Am I going to get interviewed? <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. And it turned out she'd been set to by the sports journos because at Fairfax, uh, it was a Friday, at Fairfax, for some reason, they'd installed some internet filter and it, it registered Rugby League Project as a gambling site and blocked them. And they started flipping out saying, we need access back. Can you get in touch with them and get them to fix their site? Because they didn't realize it was internal to them. Yeah. So she'd looked up the domain name and the, the who is information on the domain name to get my home number. Oh, she called, called me to say, can you fix it? And I just told her doing the whole IT thing. I was just like, oh, you have to fix your filters. Yeah. But that was a moment where I was like, wow. <laughs> All these journos are hammering the site. And I, I mean, it's not even like official info on any level. Mm. So no, that was sorry. that was another one. That, that's an amazing story because you, the first thing you think of is, uh oh. Like we had a, a moment not too not too long, a few years back, where remember uh, Greg Smith, the famed Knights winger. Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. The American player, NFL yeah. superstar. Yeah, his yeah. his legal team got in touch with us to take a comment on their away about him being a failed gridiron player or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah okay, no worries. But it, it's amazing how far a lot of this stuff reaches, and the the content, um, who it finds and and who contacts you with with updates or requests and stuff like that. It's it really is amazing. It it's been like. Nearly all of it's been absolutely positive, which is also another thing that's amazing about it too. You know, so, sorry, go on. Sorry, I was just going to mention that um, it's pretty amazing going back to that SEO thing, how well it's working. If someone like with a name like Greg Smith can find RLP, <laughs> imagine how many search results he'd get for his name. Yeah. I think from memory when I looked it up, I remember typing in Greg Smith and – Philadelphia Eagles, and yeah, we were the we were the second entry behind the Philadelphia Eagles website <laughs> where they actually had his name listed in there and their yeah past players alumni whatever it was page. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's um, pretty crazy. Okay, so have you both got a, a favourite section of Rugby League Project? I'll let you go first, Andrew, on that one. Oh, that's not fair. I didn't want to. <laughs> um, look, I think for me, uh, it's going to be my baby. It's going to be the international stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that took so much time to compile and put together and research the amount of phone calls, Skype calls, um, WhatsApp calls, <laughs> all the types of calls I've made all around the world just to get little bits of details like who was the referee on this game and was this played the day before the date we've got it or the day after or we've got the date right and chasing up insane little details which for most people mean next to nothing but it's important for everything we've got on the website. Um, historians around the world, it's 
the the stuff on the Attack Rugby League has been so hard to find, and it's been so time consuming, but so rewarding to get it all done because, um, I mean, even to this day, we're the only the only site that's got, including the International Rugby League, the only site that's got all of that stuff for the men and the women, um, as especially results wise, like just score lines wise, mm-hmm. um, as thorough as it is, um. Because sadly, there are still games that we'll never ever get the lineups for. There's not many of them, but there are still some there. But it doesn't mean that we stop trying to find them because yeah. you never know what's out there. Someone might just find a box full of stuff in the, you know, in the attic somewhere, or out in the shed somewhere. But, hey, here we go. We found some information. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you never stop trying all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think the international one for me is probably probably the one that I like the most. How about for my, you, Sean? My favourite section on the website, League Freak, yeah. is a, it's a match page. Yes. And it's the time that a young fellow by the name of Nathan Cleary dumped Dylan Brown on his head. Mm-hmm. If, if you're time. listening, if you're listening, go to that match page on Rugby League Project and there's a little bit of a special surprise on there you might notice. It's my favourite part of the site. That's my favourite part of the site too, actually. There you go. <laughs> I love it. So, Sean, away from Rugby League Project, uh, what is your favourite part of the Fergo and the Freak podcast and why am I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be quite the same without you, Freak. You just give it that je ne sais quoi that it lacks without, it, without your... Uh, Delightful crown and that evil look on your face <laughs> that just shines through in your voice. You don't see it, but you you, you feel it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The anger, <laughs> the, anger the the endless anger, <laughs> the sheer yeah, fury. Actually, it only does. It's just fury, fury. I, I think you need to. I, I do have one criticism of of the podcast, as much mm-hmm. as I enjoy it, and that is your social person needs to get get their oh. shit together. Yeah, because wow. I've I've left a few comments on recent podcasts on uh your youtube posts and no in, no interaction from you guys on those so. can, can i just say i've got a feeling that the guy who does the social stuff for fergo and the freak might also be the same guy that's in charge as the social stuff for rugby league project <laughs> <laughs> maybe i shouldn't say anything that way. <laughs> his uh He's been a little bit quiet. I don't know if you've ever had a look at the Rugby League Project page over on Facebook. Mm. Tumbleweed. <laughs> yeah, the slight problem for me on that is I left Facebook in 2012. Smart move. See? That's why he's the boss. He's the smartest one. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I am on there. I go on. I put up the um, the episodes that we do on here, or if I've written something, I'll put it on my page. I literally am on there for 30 seconds, log straight off. Like, that's it. That's all I do. I don't look at my feed or anything. Uh, It's just nothing to me, Facebook. (laughs) Not to the people that follow the page, of course, but it's just not something I use. Like, I use Twitter, obviously, but, you know, I only use Twitter when I want to get yelled at. And MySpace. (laughs) Well, MySpace. (laughs) It's all going down on MySpace. ICQ is where it's at. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. No, I do like the way you blokes just let it all out. No prisoners. 
I don't agree with it always. I don't think I would do the same. If I was to do a podcast, I'd probably overdo it and prepare too much and stress too much about the content and be really nice to everyone and it'd be boring as shit. But you guys just go, fuck them. Just say whatever we want. Yeah, but we, we've got this general theory that people can go get fucked. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like, that. I like the way you think, though, where you're like, I know if I was doing a podcast, I'd, I'd research and make it good and stuff. And I like how you guys don't even worry about that. You don't worry about making it good. It's good. It's funny. Um, It's basically my words, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I said we were the most unprofessional, um, <laughs> poorly planned podcast out there. Something along those lines. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. But it works. It's great. Yeah, I'm good. I agree. It does work. It's fun to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got a, I've got some questions for you both. Okay, go for it. All right. I found this um, these seven questions on the Twitter feed for the Wigan Way podcast. Wigan Way. Yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, we're not going to put this to Wigan players because they're not going to register on any of these. But so we're just keeping it to first graders then. Exactly, like proper players. Yeah. Um, question one: Player that made you fall in love with rugby league. Oh, that's easy. Andrew Eddinghausen. The King. Wally. Yeah, mine was Tim Brasher. I don't know if you knew. <laughs> First favourite player. Same thing, E.T. Alfie Langer. Mine also was E.T. because he had the same first name as me. Yeah. That's pretty shitty, but there you go. Um, a player you always talk about. <laughs> Matt Daylight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good one. Who do I always talk about? Um, I talk about Clive Churchill a lot, hey? So, probably Luai. Luai? Well, you know, he's a, one of the great modern-day players in the game's history. Like, And I love him, and I go to war with him. And anybody that doesn't like him can just fuck off. And he's a good singer and a good dancer. And he won a third straight grand final with one fucking arm. Of course I talk about him a lot, Andrew. What's yeah. your problem? Oh, man, the arrogance. I'm not sure how it answered that one, actually. Because <laughs> yeah, it changes, I mean, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Like, as soon I as mean, the player retires, you, you stop talking about him as much. Keep cronk. I'd have to say Darren Lockyer. He's the one you talk about the most. You know what? I think I think I say that because when you hear conversations where people talk about who's the greatest and you know who should be the next immortal, all that kind of stuff, I always think he he doesn't get spoken about enough, so it yeah. comes to mind and I bring him up. It's weird when you hear people saying like, like I think Gordon Tallis during the week. I don't know, it's Gordon Tallis. But during the week he said that uh, Payne Haas and Big Tino could be could end up being a, a better front row combination than uh, Lazarus and Webke. And I just wanted to burn the entire world to a cinder. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, player I always talk about, I'll probably go with Benji Marshall. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah definitely him. Or Robbie Farrer. Yeah. Although yeah. Half, half the time I talk about Farrah, it's usually defending him. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that counts. Um, it counts, it counts. 
a player that broke your heart when they left your club? Oh, that's a good one. I, it's probably still Brandy. It's probably still Brandy. I mean, Brandy, and I understand why he left club, and he needed to, um, and he came back. But I just think it was just a, a it was part of a, a whole broken-hearted thing that the Penrith region was going through at the time, to be fair. And, uh, yeah, I'd say Brandy. Uh, in my case on this one, I'm fortunate some of my favourite club, club players uh, for the Cowboys being Paul Bowman and Matt Bowen, mm-hmm. stayed with the club to the end. But uh, in more recent times, that answer's easy. Hamaso Tabuifido. Yeah. Ooh, that one hurts. Yeah. And I knew it would be I knew it would hurt. Even when they stopped naming him last year, I thought, oh, this is gonna end badly. Mm. And I'm still pissed. Roughly and, so. Yeah, and the thing is too, like sometimes a player that was in the form he was in, they go to another club and it just doesn't quite work out for them and it seems like it's the opposite for him. It's almost like Reese Walsh going back to the Broncos where it's like How's this going to work out? And it's like they just kill it. They absolutely kill it. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's Tim Brasher. Because not only did he leave the club, but he also went to fucking South Sydney. Yeah. Oh, man. He went to my club too. And that's usually the subject of many trivia questions that screw people over because no one remembers that. They also don't remember the ladder that he fell off. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the ladder. What are you talking about? Uh, he was, wasn't he doing some work on the outside of his house? He fell off a ladder and, and injured his leg or something like that? Yeah. Basically yeah. ended his rugby league career. I don't remember that, hey? Mm, there you I go. I know that he ended up being a caddy in uh, and lived well, in, he, in Canada, didn't he? He went over to England and played rugby union for Bath. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he was a caddy... On the USPGA, I can't remember who it was with, though. It wasn't a hugely prominent golfer. Mm. And then he ran his own pub in Canada for a few years. Mm. He's back in Australia now. I don't know what he does now. Um, A player you miss seeing play for your club. Miss seeing play. Ooh, can I say two? Go for it. I think Mark Iyer. And he's probably just shaded by Steve Carter. They're not bad. Yeah. I mean, I could repeat my last answer with this one, obviously. But I'll go with something different and say, I miss seeing Matt Scott play for the Cowboys. Really? Matt Scott? Yeah. Yeah. Man, he's consistent as hell, though. I mean, I miss Matt Bowen, too. I, love I don't him. know. Like, I feel like he was just like... He was stable. Yeah, he was he was steady. And in a club where you might be five minutes away from conceding thirty points, <laughs> he was just like some like a safe space for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? When you put it that way, and I think about the mindset of a of a Cowboys fan, I get that now. I totally get that. Yeah. So I, I miss I miss that that stability. Okay. Um, what about you, Andrew? Pretty much all the players who the club has let go that have actually gone on to be useful, like we all knew they fucking would be. <laughs> it's a long list. Um, no, who's, who's the most? Uh, probably Benji. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And, and peak Benji, 2010 Benji. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Here's a random one. A Super League player you love who has never played for your team. Super League player that I love. Uh, I've, I've got an easy one here. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Go first. Let me okay. think. Greg Alexander. So it's, oh, you're, th- you're saying Australian Super League. That doesn't fucking count. Why not? All right, let's do Australian Super okay. League then. Okay, Mal Meninga. Oh, he didn't really play Super League, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't play Super League. Uh, Andrew Johns? You guys say ET. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ET. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I never I'm trying to think of a, an English Super League player that I loved. Martin Fire. Yeah, chariots. Yeah, yeah. I I used to pretend I was him when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah he's hard to go past. Um, I you know, there's a lot of forwards over there that were just off the chain over the years, but oh, it's hard. To, it's hard to pick one, isn't it? I like Barry McDermott too. I was I was actually thinking him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I thought I think I think he was actually one of the good players that they had. But you know. Yeah, I think I think I'd go with Baz Baz McDermott. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been great. Yeah. Absolutely. And last one, a player from your rival team who you secretly like. Uh, what I, rivalry? I don't know who the Panthers' rivals would be. Tigers, obviously. Okay, I'll pick. I mean, we <laughs> own your ass. Because so, you know, I'll pick a Tigers player. Um, <laughs> what, that's playing now. No, I'm not going to put that much pressure on you. Because <laughs> okay. I would, I would have said Appy. Appy fucking had a great season. Um, oh well, it's Benji. You know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to go past. If I'm if I'm rivaling with the Tigers, I'm going Benji too. But I'd have to say, what's our rival, Broncos? Probably Broncos. Obviously. I mean, we've got a pretty good rivalry with the Tigers. Grand final in 05. Those two games this year. <laughs> that was just the wildest two games in history. <laughs> uh, Broncos. I'd have to say, gee, Pat Carrigan's pretty good. Yeah. It's hard to go past him. Yeah, he, he's. it's easy to sort of cheer him on. He's a good dude. Um, who's your biggest rival, Andrew? Like your club's rival? Who do you reckon it is? <laughs> is it whoever and they expand the comp? Whoever they bring in, because you've got to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be well. The, thing, the other team that we haven't lost to is the Dolphins. <laughs> They're a bitch. <laughs> um, Take the Dolphins. <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to go with South because of the Balmain thing, but Balmain doesn't really exist anymore. No, they're dead. And West... They're dead. Where were the Dragons, I guess? The Dragons and the, and West Tigers? Well, yeah, I mean, they're both merged slops. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're both the similar levels. They're sloshing around at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. yeah. I'll go with the Dragons. Um, that just makes it worse. <laughs> ben Hunt. Yeah, that's so easy though. Yeah. Well, that's all there is to choose from, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's one. Okay, here's a here's a a change to that question. Okay. Your favourite player from a team you fucking hate. So that's for a... Andrew, I know it's South for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Latrell Mitchell. Okay. How about you, Sean? I hate a few teams. 
I'm not sure who are they? As a, as a statistician, am I allowed to admit that I hate a team? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. You know I mean, I have. I have. I've, I've gone all in on South. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've got. I've got history with Manly fans. I'm going to go back to it. Say <laughs> Steve Menzies. Okay. That's a good story, too. Okay. Is that one of the stories you'll have to tell us after the podcast? Oh, no, it's just foreign banter. Okay. I got in trouble with Manly fans once when I said he shouldn't be considered a great. Just oh, a really? First grader. They didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, they didn't like that. Was that the, was that like obviously the Manly side of that merged entity, not the North side? They, <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have minded it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a club that I hate, and I don't know that I hate any club. Canberra. No, I don't hate Canberra, but it'd be easy to think that I hate Canberra. St. Helens. I don't hate St. Helens. They, they do really good for a, for a Hull. Hull KR. No, th- are you kidding? For what they do, considering like the being on meth, like that's pretty impressive. You know who League Freak I think would really hate is Lee. Yes. The, Lee, the, yeah. the Leopards. The Village Club, yeah. Why Lee? That's no, just a just a hunch. No, it would be it would be West Wales Raiders. Fucking, <laughs> it's hard to hate something that's dead, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I, I think the close, like there are there are teams I look at in the NRL and I can see a positive that they all bring, and then there's some teams that don't bring any positives whatsoever, and they just don't add anything to the competition at all. Um. So, yeah, like, but I don't hate anyone, but the no roosters matter. shouldn't exist. <laughs> the roosters. Well, what did the roosters do for the comp? They don't fucking develop players. They buy everyone else's players. What do they do? What do they add? Nothing. Well, they've got a new stadium down the road. That's only be. Oh man, I had to self censor so. <laughs> God. I just don't, I just don't uh, see what do, they bring to the comp. And, and you know what? Melbourne Storm's on the clock too. They need to start putting some money into junior development too. Yeah, they got they've got one guy this year. That's their first in seven years. Yeah, and that's not good. That's not good enough. We all should be contributing to the development of players in the NRL. Oh, that means you like the Tigers then. Well, uh... it's because they don't threaten you. Andrew, no one's friends that pay this. <laughs> Except the Such Tigers. confidence. Except the Tigers. How, what do you see is what do you see for the future of the Panthers? Like, say, for the next five years, League Freak. I the more I've been thinking about it, I think that I honestly, I at the moment, I think the Broncos are favourites next year, just because of the Panthers have lost a couple of players. It's going to hurt their depth. Their lower grades were decimated once again. And it's just going to be difficult to keep at that fucking level. Like, it's really hard to win one. To, if, to go in and thinking about winning four in a row is just outrageous. So I really do think that they will, they'll be one of the better teams next year. I'd still say top two, but I think the Broncos go in favourites. Um, and I think that it will be, it will be dependent on their junior system spitting out top of the line players. And, if you look at the average, like, 
it normally spits out a, an international of some quality every like two or three seasons. And so if they can just do that, they'll be really, really good for a long while yet. Um, but that's as much as I can say, because I don't know. I've never seen this happen. So like we're already in uncharted territory and, you know, for them to win three is outrageous. It's beyond what anybody should be able to do in the modern era. And so, you know, if you said that they were going to win five in a row, that would be outrageous as well. But so I don't know. I, I just, I just am happy. As I said to Andrew a couple of weeks ago, after the grand final had just finished, I rang up Andrew. I was very stoic on the phone to him. And, uh, <laughs> and Andrew, did you watch the game? He said, yeah. I said, yeah, I did too. I'll talk to you later. And, uh, but I, I said to him, I, I've, everything out of rugby league I could ever want as a fan, I have got. And so anything else is just like completely, you know, the cherry on top of the cherry sort of thing. So, I'm just happy if they just stay relevant, to be honest. If they're just in the race, that, that'd that do me. That's yeah, I, I don't think they'll bottom out. Like we, you know, we've seen clubs just really have the arse fall out of them after a successful run. Mm. But I don't see that happening. Like they, everyone talks about the systems. I, I see it as an organisation where they've just basically, they tick the boxes. Yeah. You know, you talk about what other clubs that are struggling need to do, and they're just doing it. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, and they've got, I mean, so many of their keys are locked in. Like, they've got, I, I know people say that the Broncos have very good front row partnership. Penrith has the best one. And if there's anybody that questions that, just look what they did, you know. Um, so they've got their front rows locked in. They've got Nathan Cleary locked in. They've got Dylan Edwards locked in. Um, Tungor is locked in. Toto's locked in. And uh, there's so many of these players that, you know, they they're not about to leave. They're they're locked in for a long time. And I think it's just the depth part is that is a worry for me. And you know, rightfully, every other club looked at what Penrith were doing in, in their lower grades and said, we've just got to grab what we can while we can. And you had all these young players and fringe first graders and stuff that looked at the first grade team and they were like, I've got to go elsewhere for my opportunity. And that's cool. That's what happens, you know. Um, but it, it, it did hurt their lower grades and that's fine. And so I think it'll be the next couple of years you'll want to see youngsters come through and, and really show that they can get the job done. And if they can do that, I mean, like, you know, we've got to, we, we've won two straight grand finals and then we have the rookie of the year the following year. Like, that's ridiculous. If that sort of thing continues, man, I, I'm not going to survive it. <laughs> it's unprecedented, isn't it? And it's yeah. impossible to see it lasting because of the, unlikely nature of it having gone this far yeah exactly that's the thing that's exactly it you know how many times we've watched a team finally win a grand final and then you're like man they finally got there and now they're losing five players and that's it that was their their shot um and then to premiership window yeah the premiership famous premiership window like is it you know the probably the better question is how long is Penrith's premiership window if you're you looked at it, I mean, it's at least the next three years, right? But, like, something 
crazy would have to happen if it was cut shorter than three years from what we've seen already. You'd have to see them lose a lot of talent as long as mm. they've got Cleary to mm. to be out of that window, as you call it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you can keep three of your four spine players together for a long period of time, you usually are going to be successful for you know, a fairly long period of time as well. Um, I know we were a bit concerned at the start of the year about losing Coruscant, how Penrith would go. And mm. they weren't as impressive this year as they were in the past two seasons, but they were still more than good enough, obviously, to go all the way get the minor premiership and the premiership again. But uh, I don't know. Is that hooker issue going to be a problem for them next year as well? They didn't I, really I, solve it this year. No, they didn't. Um, and I, I think it is something that they – because it's, you know, it's a relief valve on their halves. If you've got a hooker that can make some yardage out of dummy half is a good kicking game, and we just don't have that. You know, Mitch Kenny's a very good defender, and he got the job done. You know, you got to give him credit there. But, you know, if you could just have somebody in there that could, you know, just get a damage and run here or there or, you know, make the defense so that they, they can't really set themselves against our forward pack, that would be great. Um, and I think the other thing about Penrith is, like, you look at all of the things they do right, and there seems to be something else on top of that. And I don't know what it is, but... Like, to see what they did in that grand final was, uh, I mean, that was like a dream come true. And you don't normally see many teams at any level being able to do that sort of thing. And, um, you know, there's something pretty special about some of these players. And, like, Ivan Cleary was talking about it in the uh, in the um, speech that he gave at the Panthers um, awards night. And he was talking about how, like, as soon as these players can get back to training, they want to be back at training because they just love training so much. And just have that sort of environment around the club is is really a different thing. And I'm sure there are other clubs where that happens too. But to have that on top of the talent and on top of the junior base and on top of the stability that they've got, like all of that coming together and then having that attitude about enjoying your footy so much, I, it's just, it's you end up with this like, real special combination of players and at the right place at the right time. And man, it's, it's crazy. I can't believe that they're my team and they've done that. Like normally I'm watching other teams do this sort of shit. So am I. (laughs) 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 Oh shit. I will, I will underscore what you mentioned about your front row. It's just so undeniable. I mean, there was the stat from the grand final that I heard about, with Leota, is it Leota or Lotta? Leota? Le- uh, I say Leota, hi. Leota, yeah, because there's only one T. Leota and Fisher Harris on the field, Penrith won 26 mm. yeah. which really sums it up. And I, I made a comment during the game. So Penrith lose the, sorry, Brisbane lose the ball with that lead, and Penrith get it. Cleary makes that break, and who's there? Moses Leota is the only one backing him up in that part of the game was so clutch. And then the runs he did after that, after the kickoff to really just cement their position. Mm. I just thought Leota was phenomenal. Yeah. He's, he's uh, like James Fisher Harris is probably the high profile of the two, but Leota is just an absolute machine. And he's the one that's more likely to absolutely destroy an opposition. Um, by 
Like I remember when we were playing against Parramatta in the grand final last year and he was hitting Parramatta players so fucking hard that they, the whole team started to panic because they weren't getting anywhere. Um, he, he's just devastating. He's absolutely devastating with the ball and without the ball. And it's crazy to think that beside him, we've got a guy who's just like a machine as well. Like if you if you had to make a modern day front row, you'd probably have these two sorts of players, but they'd probably be bigger. Um, maybe not bigger than Leota because he's fucking a giant himself. But James Fisher-Harris isn't a giant player. And yet he, you lose nothing from him not having that size because he's just, he's just so good. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Like yeah, I, I, I was actually watching New Zealand on, on the weekend and I'm thinking like how it's Fish Harrison Leota is, is their front rowers and how crazy it is for an entire nation to have them two as their front rowers. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, well, speaking of, let's get into it. New Zealand. Tight win over Samoa there on the weekend. Yeah, they smashed Samoa. Uh, watch this game. New Zealand looked really good, really sharp. Um, probably as good as I've seen New Zealand jump out of the blocks in internationals. Normally they take a few to- few games to warm up. Samoa looked really bad, lots of bad mistakes. Um, it was a little bit similar to their game against Australia, but they didn't have that fight back in them, unfortunately. And it was a really disappointing match, to be honest with you. And, um They'll be disappointed with what they've done. I know they were missing some key players, but they should have done better than that. Anyone else watching them games? I I, uh, I was at work, so I didn't see shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was legitimately going to sit down and watch some highlights today, and then I had something to do with family here and I got back in and I got sidetracked by some research I was doing I forgot <laughs> how far I went on with that and I went oh I've got to press record now whoops <laughs> that's all good yeah I was going to say there's probably like that silence you just heard between Andrew and I aside from the fact that we weren't able to watch the game live unfortunately probably is also a bit of a commentary on the game itself it was a bit of a forgettable, forgettable one because I, I watched the the mini, as they call it. So mm-hmm. not the highlights, but not the full game either. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see much from Samoa. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it, it even was a defense. It was a, yeah, it was a rough performance. And it just, uh, you know, I, I did a tweet a couple of, I think it was a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, where like that's the problem for international rugby league is that when you tune in, the chance that, both teams are going to be really set and turn up for a game is pretty low. You know, it more often than not, if you watch an international game, you're going to be disappointed by one of the teams and how they perform. And that's the big problem holding the international rugby league back right now. Well, the thing that really jumped out at me about this game was um, New Zealand's hooker was Kieran Foran. What, what happened there? Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think that they just want him out there. Hey, I, I heard a, a quote by Michael Maguire during the week, and he said, like, Kieran Foran would do absolutely anything to play for New Zealand. And that really stuck with me because there's a lot of, of really good committed players in that Kiwis team. But there's something about Foran when he's in that camp that it really stands out for Maguire. So maybe it was just having him out there and having him in the mix, you know. 
It was a bit weird they actually named him on the bench to start with because it's not like you're going to take Dylan Brown or Jerome Hughes off mm-hmm. just just for whatever. And they wouldn't have gone into this game thinking they were going to put 50 on Samara either. No, no. They'd have gone into this thinking it was going to be a lot tighter. So why would you carry a spare half on the bench? Like Surely you put an extra forward on there. But uh worked out in his favour in the end. I know they say use Brown use Farmer Brown as a as a uh second rower, I guess. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how they match up against Australia because Australia, you know, they've had the week off, um, got a good look at New Zealand now. I'm hoping it's just a really good test match, hey. I'd I'd hate for it to be disappointing. I'm sick of disappointing test matches. Yeah, you want to see something close happen. Yeah, yeah. They can't um, all be bangers freak. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Oh, Malta and Chile, 30 to 22 to Malta there. Did you check that one out? No, I did not. Oh, mate, it was just down the road from you. Where at? Sylvania. Fuck off down the road. Take me a fucking hour and a half to get there, you bastard. <laughs> Everything's down the road. Haven't you been reading what the journalists say? No, right. It's all just down the road. It's like it's like you just go from one country town to the other. It's just down the road, mate. <laughs> just go past the cow on the corner and you'll find that stadium. Cost forty five bucks in tolls. <laughs> That's fucking true. Um Fiji beat Cook Islands by four points, twenty two to eighteen. I watched a little bit of this game, unfortunately. I didn't get to see the end of it, which was apparently really, really good. Uh yeah, from what I can tell you. I was going to say, from what I could tell you, it looks like Cook Islands were right in this game right until the end, which is um, great for them and a bit of a worry for Fiji. Yeah, Cook. I mean, the Cook Islands, we've talked about them, they punch way above their weight compared to everyone else. Um, and it was a try by the Penrith Panthers to River that end, ended the game. So that was pretty cool to see him get that moment playing for Fiji. He really deserves it. Dream Baller played really well from what I saw. Um, and I, I will add that Cook Islands had, I think, one of the biggest international halves pairings I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Takarangi and Eastern Masters, like huge <laughs> units. But Masters was unbelievable. He would, he was just like, my impression watching what I saw of that game was he got given the number seven jersey, but didn't really know what to do with it other than just do everything. Mm. And he yeah. was so committed. He was just in every player and trying his guts out. It was just his third game in his career in the halves and the first time in the halfback. Wow. I remember calling him in the lower grades and he was like, he just looked like an NRL player to everyone else. Just bigger, stronger, more skillful. Um, and I was really surprised he didn't kick on and, and become a, a real regular, really good NRL player. So it was cool to see him playing well for the Cook Islands. And, and Brad Takarangi, I mean, how old is he? He's like 35 now, something like that. 35 next year. There you go. How good am I with ages? I'm so good with them ages. Um, yeah, it's it's just great to see him running around. And he does little things here and there that, like, he has no right to do for the Cook Islands, and it, it works. Now, also over in England, the English side beat Tonga 22-18. to 18. Yeah, well, they had the best 14 Englishmen on the field, Andrew. Hey. 
the best 14? Yeah. So the first half, right, really good half of footy, really enjoyable. Um, you could see that Tonga was short of a little bit of a run. Um, England played very well. They both played really well, really enjoyable. Second half, big change, big, big change. Referee took over and it was um, it was real shame, ruined the game and really made it so that England had as as much go their way as possible. I'm not saying the referee did that. I'm saying that's the uh, just what happened in the game. And, you know, Tonga now knows that, well, they have a run under their belt, which is great, and they know what they're up against now to try and have to win in England. Um, they need to... They need to be very vocal about the refereeing going into the next two games because it was really fucking outrageous. And I even had English fans uh, tweeting me last night saying, this is crazy what's going on, like a completely different second half. And it's that's just not good enough at, at international level. Yeah, I feel like this um, this series is such an important series in the history of Tongan Rugby League. Mm-hmm. Because you, you know you've you've always had these round robin type of competitions with the Pacific nations over the years, and it's it's a different feel I think from an organisational sense than having a a specific committed dedicated tour where you go and play internationals against one team in a series. And this is this is a great example of how they navigate their way through this situation with the refereeing standards that you just pointed out. Like they've got to manage that from an organisational point of view, and it, it's a it's a great part of their, I don't know, growing up. Like, it feels like they're becoming a real test nation mm. as as we speak yeah. with this series. And I think they were great. I think they've got an unbelievable team. Like, you look at their sheet, team sheet, and it just looks spectacular. Mm-hmm. So they'll take it to England in game two, I'm sure. Yeah, I still think they'll win the series. Um but they need they they know now what they've got to do to win, and it's not just to beat England fair and square. I dare say, um, there were some good players in the English team, like Burge Thomas Burgess was fantastic. He was my man of the match when he was on the field. Um, he was trying to stem the tide against the Tongan forwards all on his own. Mikey Lewis was fantastic. Um, for you know. Adam Fanua Blake, he was he was great. Um, what's the what's the young fullback for England? God damn it, I forget his name. Wellsby, I was going to mention well, him. Okay, too. Wellsby, yeah. Now there's a lot said about Wellsby, and I've been asked so many times what I think about Wellsby, and I've said just let let me see him, let me see him, let me watch him, let me watch him. I'm willing to say right now, he's not a fullback. He is not a fullback. His fullback positioning and awareness defensively as a fullback is. Uh, it, it's it's just so far below standard. It's crazy. I think for the best thing for his career right now, and it won't happen, but I think the best thing would be for them to throw him in the centres for a little while, um, see if he's got the ability to read defensively in the centres. I think size-wise he could probably handle it, get him defending in that front line, and then have it with an eye on him ending up as a five-eighth, maybe. Um, but as a fullback, he's just not there defensively whatsoever. And um, 
Yeah, so that's what I th- I'm, I've held off saying anything, anything about him. But, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about him now. I yeah, he strikes me as a sort of player that is in his position because he can do those backline sweep plays mm-hmm. yeah. pretty well. He knows how to, to pick his man out. But, you know, you're right. You need to be able to do all the work as a fullback, and there's some, um, there's definitely some lapses there. Yeah, he's a li- he's a little bit like Sam Tompkins in that in Tompkins in that um, he he does have an ability for ball playing, but he he's he's defensively he's gone. He's not there at all. And you know you can get by in Super League at one of the top three clubs if you you're not very good defensively. Um, but I saw people saying, oh, he should. The Bulldogs should sign him and stuff like this. And it's like, man, he would last a month at fullback in the NRL and that would be it um, because he's just, I mean, at some points he was on a completely opposite side of the field to what he should have been defensively. And look, he can work on that. But, you know, at the age that he is, he should be much further along. And so that's why I question whether he's actually a fullback. Um, so yeah, that that's what I would do. I would I'd move him into the centres. But as I said, they won't do that, which is fine. Now, um, <clears throat> I'm gonna ask now: Has there been any other news going on in the game of rugby league? Um, I ask this because I've not been paying too much attention. <laughs> I'm putting all of the onus on you, Freaky, right now. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any massive news that's come out of rugby league. Huh? Have you been singing your national anthems? Uh, no. No, Rich. I haven't. <laughs> what is anyone thinking you? about it? How dare you? <laughs> oh, well, we've, we've crossed that one off, ticked that box. Yeah. Um, the only thing I have heard about was um, over in England, IMG expected to reveal their grading scores this week. Oh, that'll be really interesting. Yeah, it's not going to impact the competition, like who gets relegated and whatnot for next season, mm-hmm. but it will be used um, for the season afterwards, so the end of next year, which means all the teams are going to find out what their grading mark is mm-hmm. and where they need to work and what they need to do. Um, I did find a list of how the, the system will work. Mm-hmm. So the grades are based on five criteria, and you get five points for each one. Fandom, performance, finances, stadium, which is actually three points, and catchment is two points. So it's a maximum of 20 points. Um, You get a grade of A if you score 15 points or more, a grade of B if it's between 7.5 and 14 points, and grade C if it's less than 7.5 points. And grade A teams are in Super League, grade B teams are in... Championship and great season League One. It's going to be interesting to see what areas of their criteria can be played with by the clubs, hey? Because finance, I mean, finances is so difficult because you've got club chairman over there that will pour money into the club when they need it. So how do you measure that? Like if a club is completely financially unsustainable, but the chairman just pours money in when they need it. How do they grade something like that compared to a team like, and, and I talked about them this week, the Salford Red Devils, who have been having to sell players this week to make sure they don't fall into a financial black hole. And they're managing their finances. 
without an uh, like an owner tipping money in. So how do you how do you balance those sorts of things out? That's going to be interesting. A stadium is very easy because it's a facility. You can look at it. You know, it's obviously about capacity and and facilities that you've got there that are available to patrons. But you know, something like you know, you can play with finances. I know that there's a component there for uh, social media and things like that, where you can buy social media followers. Like, how, how do they how do they make sure teams aren't doing that? Just follow Donald Trump, you'll be fine. Does he buy them? He's not I don't know. Him, is he? But if you follow him, I dare say there'd be an awful lot of those weirdos that would just trickle along behind him, <laughs> follow everything he follows. <laughs> don't you know, though, freak, that uh, Elon Musk is cleaning Twitter up? That's why he bought it. So there's no more bots. Yeah, oh. I've, I've, I've noticed the no more bots things, hey? Yeah. Hey, every every time I, I'll post something and it's immediately liked <laughs> by, somebody, <laughs> by somebody that's selling crypto. It's like, wow. Yeah, I like the fact the bots have been replaced by ads for stuff I don't need. Mm. Yeah, that's been great. Thanks, Elon. Um, but yeah, that's basically it there. I'm, I'm curious as to why they still think it is financially viable to have three grades. I, I, why not have Super League with, you know, a third of the teams and everybody else just goes into second division? Isn't it, isn't it costing more money to have three grades? I think the problem that they have is that you've got, you've really only got about six teams that, can really survive in Super League, all right. And then you've got a bunch of teams that barely hold on. And then in the next division down, you've got a couple of teams that might be able to get to a position where they can barely hold on. And then the teams below that are trying to catch up to those teams. It's like... True, but I mean, you, you, what they've got to have is all those teams that are at the bottom end of League One. Yeah. They've got to be playing against teams that are in championship on a regular basis in order to get them up to that level. It'll take time and all that, of course. But the other thing you could do is instead of having these stupidly long fucking seasons for no reason, mm-hmm. have a big championship competition where there might be, you know, there might be 28 teams. Mm. They just play one game against each other. Not two or three. Don't have two different fucking cups going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. You've got the 1895 Cup and the Challenge Cup. And you know, what are they trying to do? Kill these players mm, and kill yeah. the clubs? They make them play so many games, and each game does not—it's not a profit. Each game, there's a lot of expense with every game. So, find a way to cut it down so they've got a much shorter season. Um, look, 28 teams is far too many anyway for that division. They should probably have 20 maximum. Then every team's just playing 19 games. They can play the Challenge Cup. You don't need the other one. It's stupid. And, you know, then you're getting back to the teams playing maybe at most 25 games in a season, which is on par with what the NRL's doing. Yeah. Instead of having these part-time professionals playing, you know, near 30-odd games every year. It's stupid. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Another idea I saw put forward was that they split into a couple of divisions in in England. So you've got basically, it'd almost be Yorkshire and Lancashire, and it would cut down on travel costs for them. Because once you're at that level, like, it sounds silly, but the travel costs just within England, uh, (laughs) uh, something they've got to consider. It sounds weird, but like, that's so huge. I know, right? 
I remember they like, were complaining about second what was the second division teams or third division teams happened to travel all the way to um was it the southern part of England for that new team they brought in? Uh was it when they brought in like Bristol or something like that? Oh, I can't remember what's the name of them. Cornwall. Oh right, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're gonna drive all the way to Cornwall. <laughs> Still it's not like that's for these teams at that level, like that's a real consideration that they have. And I think anything you can do to, to lower costs is good, but then you've got to weigh it up about like what happens if one of these divisions end up, ends up being so obviously stronger than the other one. All of a sudden you've got three divisions again. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, the thing that got me the most about the whinge about Cornwall though, is that there was more complaining about English fans having to go to Cornwall yeah. than about any of the, travel that might have been required when the Toronto Wolfpack were in the competitions. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not oh, so they're, not, they're not complaining about the travel. They're just complaining about where they have to go. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. I don't have to go to Cornwall. You go to France. <laughs> the thing is, like, if, if you, you don't want, You go to Wales. If you don't want to travel, don't fucking travel. <laughs> no, no, you've got to whinge about it instead. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious about this IMG proposal. Is there any mention that you've heard or seen of mergers? Because I know that was a real poison when the Super League thing happened in England back in the 90s. Yeah. Not, nah. not at this stage that I'm aware of. I think what they'd be looking at is um, something a bit more brutal, whereas if you don't look like you're capable of surviving um, moving forward, then buy. They'll probably just – well, they won't cut you, but they'll probably just – instead of axing the club completely, they'll move you down to the amateur leagues, which a lot of clubs would see that as a demotion you never get back from, and they would just leave anyway, kind of like what Newcastle did. Yeah, because, like, I mean, there, there are some obvious mergers you could do there, but, I mean, we saw when the um, – what was it? Swinton Lions wanted to change to the Manchester Lions. Oh. And their, some of their fans just lost them, their minds over that. And so the club was like, fine, all right, we'll be Swinton. We'll just stay here. And, like, you know, it, it's very weird the way that they look at their teams over there. And I understand no one wants to see their team, like, merge or change their name or stuff like that. But if it's between that and, like, you know, just being stuck, uh, you'd rather them try something. Yeah, but they're not at the moment. No. Um, oh, is is that it for the for the news? I take it there's not much else going on. Yeah, the, it was really quiet week. It was more about the internationals and stuff like that. So, which is good. Like you know, you get to this point <laughs> of the year. If there's news that comes out at this point of the year and it's NRL related, it's normally not great. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so now I get to ask a question I haven't asked for a while. Yeah. Have we got any emails? We do. We do? We do. All right, so the subject for this one, this one's from Lightning McQueenbian. I've heard of this bloke. Mm. He got the and shift at me once because I went to Queenbian one day and I didn't fucking tell him. Oh, that's right, that's right. Not, not, that, I, not that I knew how to. A lot of people go to Queenbian and don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> I went there and took a photo of, um, was it Seaford Oval, and then left. Oh really? Oh, I yeah. ate I ate fried chicken there once. Oh, Seaford Oval is the only ground I believe where the Balmain Tigers never lost a game. Oh, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, so I had to get a photo of that. Something, um, something positive from the game's history. The <laughs> There's been plenty of positives in the, the Tigers' history. Let's move on before we start another race. <laughs> <laughs> you knew where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is from Light, Lightning McLean. It's subject episode 500. Message. G'day, cunts. This does it K-H, so it's not swearing. Yeah. Don't say cunt on here. Congratulations on making it to 500 episodes of your amazing podcast. What a fantastic milestone. I've been listening since around episode 170 from memory and loved every minute of it. You both offer brilliant analysis and understanding of all facets of the game and completions. Probably means competitions. Although we do talk about completions a lot, don't we, Andrew? I mentioned it once. Yeah, yeah. I Well, finished completion during the grand final. And I, like other <laughs> listeners, I'm sure, have learned so much from you both, including blocking all mainstream media except the mole. That guy is a legend. Thank you, Andrew, League Freak, and all your awesome guests, both regular and one-offs. I'm super proud to be a small part of this amazing journey. I still smile when I hear the intro music at the start of every episode. I'm looking forward to another 500 plus episode. Love you, cunts. Bob, Lightning McQueenbean, Harvey. P.S. Fuck Manly. That all sounds accurate. Yeah, I, I think we all agree with that one. Thanks for that, Bob. Yeah, thank you. That's a really nice email to get, eh? That's next, next I, I actually on. have a question off the back of that. Yeah. Where did the music come from? Is there a story behind it? Yeah, freaky. I don't even know this music. <laughs> uh, it was made for us, wasn't it? Like, it wasn't that Lightning McQueenbean sent it into us because we had what was our original? I said we didn't have one. No. And did the some what, sponsor thing for a while? Yeah, we did some sponsorship stuff, and I think it was Lightning McQueenbean put it together from memory. I'm sure from it was episode one eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> and. Yeah, so because I I know I didn't put it together, and I know Andrew didn't put it together. No, because no, no, I I don't play like instruments with keys. I think a bit we, of mystery. I feel like maybe we tried to put one together, and it was okay, and then we got sent that one, and it was like, oh, this is way better, and we used that. Yeah, sure, that's how it worked. Yeah. Okay, so this one is from Sam Reveal, who's been a long time follower of mine. He's a Cowboys fan, isn't he? Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. I can't remember. He's always liking our, our tweets and stuff about the podcast. Yeah, seems a good bloke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the subject is episode 500 question. Hi, F and F. Congratulations on 500 episodes. You host the best rugby league podcast found anywhere. Informative and brutally honest. I'd like to ask for your thoughts on pre-season rugby league. He's talking about the World Club Challenge. Are you fine with the new and current preseason challenge tournament? Would you like to see the nines return or something else? Looking forward to the next 500. Thank you, Sam Reveal. I hope I'm saying his name right, hey? Because I want to say Reveal. Too bad. He's got to change it to what you say now. But it's it's not Reveal. I'm sure it's Reveal. I'm sure it's um, Reveal. Is he talking about the tournament that they had this year? Yeah, yeah. I fucking hated it. It's the Didn't dumbest he? thing I've ever seen. It's actually... <laughs> It is up there with the dumb ideas that England comes up with in order to have a final system. I hated it so much. It's so stupid. It's pointless. Fuck it off. You know yeah, what's I, funny? I, I think it, I realised that 
it's literally just trials, right? No one's questioning that, and yeah. it's obvious to everyone. Yeah, but yeah. by wrapping this framework of a competition around, it suddenly makes it seem like it's more interesting. Yeah. Well, that was the concept behind it, yeah. But nothing, like, nothing changes about the way that teams use it. Well, no, so because like, and some teams played two games, some played three. Yeah. And some of them were against teams like, I think the Broncos played against Winner Manly or something like that in one of them. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, Penrith played a semi-professional team as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what? How are it's you trying to turn this into a competition? Well, it's it's nuts. You can't. You, how are you going to make it a competition where one team can play one game, one team will play three games? What's the what's the purpose? Like, if you're going to win a manly in there, they might as well play three games like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And then why would you have them playing three games against NRL sides? Why would you get a team from England involved in it for one game? Well, they did. It's dumb. They were involved in it. It's the dumbest garbage ever. And the point system was moronic. I hated the whole thing. It was stupid. I I am like Andrew. It makes me physically angry. (laughs) The other thing is only a fuckwit celebrates getting a trophy in February. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. If the Tigers got one in February, I'd be happy. (laughs) The West Tigers. Didn't you just win the... uh, (laughs) The nines one year or the sevens? I think it was still the sevens. At the, the nines. We got the nines in two thousand and four. Oh, did you? And I thought, and I instantly thought, this is the last trophy my club will ever ever win. Who was in that nines team? Were there some of the great names in that nines team? No idea. Ben Galea, I think, was one of them. That's about all I remember. Went, went to high school with him. Benji Farah. That would have been pre-Benji, nearly, wouldn't it? Oh no, he was a three. Yeah. He started, yeah. yeah. I don't this, know if Benji was playing or whether he was injured. I can't remember. Um, shoulders would have been fucked by then, eh? Who else was there? Is that Daniel Fitzhenry areas? Yeah, he would have been in there. <laughs> the run, Daniel, run side Fitz, side. Yeah. Daniel Fitzhenry era was a good one, hey? Well, it was more successful than the current one. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather that era or the Dean, the fucking, what's his name? Graviani? He was a handy player. He was. I ditched him. Who else would we have? Um, I don't want to go down this path. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> yeah, we end up going for a three and all of a sudden. And it always ends in you going, it's fucking like bored. It's like, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying not to mention those two dickheads for at least one episode, and this, this important one. So, you know, we'll move on. I think I mentioned one before, but not the other. Somewhere out there is holding up a melon, trying to work out if it's ripe on his little hat. Yeah. <laughs> trying on his hats. <laughs> the cosplay expert. So, um, should, what do you what do you think of the uh, North Queensland Cowboys next year? Because they had a real disappointing year this year. Like, they yeah, should have hard to say. I, I see my understanding from a sort of outside perspective looking in, because you don't really necessarily know what's going on in the club between the players and the coaching staff and, and all that stuff that happens. But last year we went gangbusters on the back of Todd Payton flogged them during the off season, right? Mm-hmm. And got him into shape. Then this year he decided, well, I don't want to overdo it. So we eased off and then they basically turned into powder puffs and defense again. So I don't know what his plans are, but it seems like this is kind of the, the problem that we have, we need to instill some sort of defensive starch, which is not Cowboys-like. So we need to create a culture that 
instills that sort of starch and then go from there. Obviously, the defense is the starting point. Yeah. So it depends on how that goes. The rest is like, we can score points. Not a problem. I mean, look at the Tigers. Like, fucking hell. We can roll. We just don't know how to stop them. <laughs> look at the Tigers. <laughs> yep. 100%. That was a bad one. I, I think that with the Cowboys, it feels like they need like a couple of just tackling machine back rollers. I feel like they've got too many big dudes who are immobile and they just need like some dudes that can get through work. I feel like that's what they're missing. Yeah, could use a Liam Martin, eh? That'd be handy. That'd be real handy. Mm. So, I don't know. We could either end up third or twelfth. That, that's the best yeah. summation you'll ever get out of a, a Cowboy season. It's going to be one <laughs> or the other. There's no middle. They don't finish eighth. Yeah. Would they have twelve? Would they have the widest, like, between their high highest point and their lowest point going into next year? Because I reckon... I reckon the Roosters could do the same thing, hey, where if it all works out for them, they could be pretty high, but they could also be really low if it works out for the other way too. No, I think Newcastle as well. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I I reckon they overachieved a bit this year. Yeah, so do I. They went on that win and run. Yeah. Against no one. Against no one. Oh, you know who Um, else? The Sharks. They're starting to get in that area. Like they, they always manage to sort of somehow cling on and, and make it to the finals, but they seem to be going, um, I wouldn't say backwards, but they're coming back to the field that's in the bottom half because those teams below them are getting better at a faster rate than the Sharks are. So they're starting to come back to the to that field a bit too much. Um, and theirs is just a bit of a mess. Like for what about the, the start of the season, you can see that they were trying something different in the defensive structure, which didn't work. So they scanned it and went back to what did work. But when they did that, they then went and changed their attack structure to do something different, which then stopped them from scoring points. So then they changed that. And by the time they did all that fucking around, they were struggling to keep in the eight. And I don't know why they were doing all of that at all. Like they were scoring points comfortably the year before. Mm. But why change that? Mm. But that's what they were doing. Um, because their defensive structure became an absolute mess by the end of the season. They didn't know what they were doing at the end. That half the team going left, the other half standing still, and the other part's going right. And they're, they're not working as one cohesive unit like they used to. They were sort of just in these little blocks everywhere. Yeah. And the teams were smart enough and ran at a good... You know, you have one person on an angled run and one on a straight run. Bam, there's fucking gaps in these between the two blocks. And no one's coming across in cover defense. And that's how they were scoring points against them. It was crazy to watch. I'm looking going, you keep this crap up, the Tigers will put points on you. Yeah, I guess Fitzgibbon's on the clock next year, hey, because, you know, he had his honeymoon season and then this season's been, you know, pretty average. Um, I, I feel as though he has this idea of what he wants his team to be, but he doesn't necessarily have the personnel to pull it off. I think that's the problem. Um, and that's part of coaching. Like, that's a really important – and I think back to Chris Anderson had this problem towards the end of his career where he wanted to put something in place that just didn't work with the personnel he had. And when you can't accept that, that's a problem, you know, with your coaching. So um, that's the way I was looking at the Sharks because I know a lot of people were saying that they felt the Sharks would 
would be pretty good. And I just never saw them as any sort of threat for the premiership for multiple teams, you know. Um, so, yeah, Fitzgibbon's going to have to do do a job next year. I'll tell you, another one I think could go one way or the other, depending on how things go, are the Canberra Raiders. Like, you could convince me that they have things go their way and finish maybe, you know, fourth place. And, and you know, obviously they bow out straight sets. So they're the Raiders. But um, I could also see where it falls apart and they end up 15th. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll be okay. You reckon? Yeah. Depends on if they keep Ricky. Like, he's he, he's both their worst enemy and their best friend at the moment. <laughs> eh? He is a bit. I think moving moving White on is actually going to help them in more ways than people might realise. Because I don't think he pro- properly fit into that 5'8 role that Ricky Stewart wanted. I think Ricky Stewart wanted Laurie Daly there. I mean, all we, we all do, but, you know, he works with what he knew would work for him. That's why he never gets satisfied with a halfback because mm-hmm. none of them do what he knows what he could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of wants this really like genuine X factor at five eight, but Whiten just didn't quite work in that role because I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to South and they immediately slot him in at the centres. Yeah, I think yeah, one hundred percent. And I think the thing too was with Whiten like. You would hear commentators saying, oh, White, and he's really leading this team. And it's like, have you watched the fucking Canberra Raiders in 18 months? Because White has been shit. So, yeah, I agree with you. He's a he's addition by subtraction. And obviously, Croker's left. I mean, that's that's a negative for him. That's going to hurt. What will, it'll just be no different, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was just. Tossing up a, a light one there for you. Croker's not out there. Yeah. Just, just like lobbing one up. Yeah. Free hit. Yeah. Um, as for the Tigers, spoon. Right. What else is there? <laughs> Do you reckon that they'll get the spoon, though? Yep. Yeah, I was trying to make it some sort of suspense. Of course that's, they will. That That's a no-brainer. But they're, they're building something. That's the important thing. Another spoon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what round does Benji Marshall get axed? Um, they won't ax him. What they'll do mm-hmm. is they'll say, we don't want you to hurt your legacy. Yeah. So if you would like to leave, we will let you do that. And you can cite personal reasons if you want. You're like your dog died or something. And we'll okay. do a sob story, you know. How tough is Benji? He's doing this despite all the pain and suffering he's going on. We're going to have to let him go because you know we can't ha- we can't do this as a poor fella. It'll be something like that. There'll be a sob story. Let him go so he doesn't damage his reputation. They'll put Farrah in there so they can throw him under the bus because he's used to it. <laughs> 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 it's so I'm calling round eighteen. We start hearing uh, out of the media. Oh, John Morris. John Morris comes back. There's yeah, no way they'll wait till round 18. I'm guessing, yeah, I think I think Sean's right. It'll be earlier than that, mid-season, round, round 10 or 11. You reckon yeah. Scott Fulton won't be able to stop himself, eh? Hey? <laughs> no, it's the Manly in him. <laughs> Isn't it weird that Manly and the West Tigers are trading players like either of them are good? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, Manly's done the worst in that regard because the Tigers haven't really bought that many players. Because yeah, apparently the squad they've got is perfectly fine. Yes. 
Don't upgrade that shit. It's fine. It's but, fine. Uh, yeah, Manly's been getting a ton of Tigers players for some reason. It's really weird. And, uh, well, Manly's still currently um, trying to lock down Aaron Woods for next year as well, apparently. Are they? Yeah. Wow. Legitimately, they are. They've got they've got a space free for him in their roster, and they're not trying to fill it with anybody else. Wow. Did you see the Seagulls' new logo that they put out during the week? Yeah, it reminded me of Sonic the Hedgehog. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's it's just okay. I think another like, person said it looked like the head of Lisa Simpson when she was an adult. Yeah, it did. Yep, yep. When she she was the did she become the president? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Have you seen it now? That. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It, it's it not like I can that. see the Sonic. It looks a little bit also a bit like um the headwear that Rooster Man wore. The Rooster Man? Who's the Rooster Man? Yeah, the mad Roosters fan who wears that weird get up on his head when he oh, goes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy. Yeah. It just looks like it's it's – not um, mean or anything. It just looks like it's distressed, like you've just kicked it in the dick. <laughs> you know what it gives me vibes of? It's like they've gone to the NFL logo designers and said, can you just make us an NFL logo? Yeah, like... yeah. Take, can you take the Philadelphia Eagles logo but make it a, you know, a seagull? <laughs> yeah, make it maroonish. And, and and somebody said, like, okay, I've got this idea. I've got to infill the colours. And they're like, no, no, don't infill. Just no, that's perfect. That. Yeah, as soon as you start doing the stuff, it costs more money. We'll just yeah. take it as it is. <laughs> it's always cool when you hear about how it, like, you know, these simplified logos all these companies and stuff are doing, and it ends up costing, like, $300,000 to design it. It's like, mate, you could go into Vistaprint and done that. <laughs> it's, um... Yeah, I I think it looks worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh I think it's very manly. It's like a seagull with all the colour drained from it. <laughs> yeah, just... I can see that actually. It's it's definitely a masculine bird, isn't it? Yeah. It's like can we make it like look mean and stuff? And it's like I can try. They've it's taken a, a seagull and they've put league freaks eyes on it. <laughs> there you go. So they've done. They've gone right. How can we make this thing look genuinely, permanently angry? <laughs> What's the most permanently angry thing we know of? It's League Freak. Let's put his eyes on it. Oh shit, that's it's funny. A, a, it just needs a gold tooth. I know birds don't have teeth, but they've got to find a way to incorporate that in there somewhere. They should. They should. I once made a. I remember when the Panthers were changing their logos, and I made a Panthers logo that was basically like the Panther with a crown and a gold tooth on it. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's on my website somewhere. I don't know where. That'd be uh, southandreds.com. There's one of them. Yeah, it's one of them. <laughs> uh, southandcityreds, actually, .co.uk. Is that it? No, it's southandreddevils.com. Southandreddevils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's call it Manchester Red Devils. You sh- you sh- actually, that's a website you should go and buy. It's Manchester Red Devils. I bet that that's already a website, 100%, because of the soccer team. Well, let's just type it into our little yeah. Google machine, shall yeah. we? Look it up. I'm not buying another website, Andrew. You keep trying. This site can't be reached. No, I'm not buying it. <laughs> right, well, Freaky's got his next half hour sorted out. No. Nah, He's going to go and get the plastic out. 
Do you know what it's like during the middle of the year? What and it's always middle of the year because that's when we record, and it's like I get smashed with <laughs> one website renewal after another, and I'm just over it. Uh, just buy some more crypto coverage. I I've got too many. I got too many. I got is it like, is it ten? N- uh or oh. probably not ten. Oh, well, we'll get to ten. You're gonna make a round number. I reckon it's about eight. No, how about you pay for it and it can be a round number? How about that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I might buy one when we get to the thousandth episode. You should. What would you buy? Um Leaguefreak.co.uk. <laughs> yeah, I think I am that one. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a League Freak one out there somewhere. Yeah. But buy like the League Freak one, but for like Kazakhstan or something. Oh, no, .co.uk is available. You can buy that one as well. That'll get you to 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to start pl- paying fucking pounds for my website <laughs> addresses. That, that's a good idea. I'll get that and make it redirect to the uh, Lee Leopards website. To the shop. <laughs> to the shop, actually. That'd be pretty funny, actually. Merchandise. <laughs> That'd be the one to do. Alrighty. Well, uh, I suppose we should probably wrap this turkey up. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's been a good episode. Thank you. At least been fun. At least one of us has to go and do an actual job tomorrow, so, you know. Sorry about that, Sean. Look, someone's going to do it right. Yeah, that's right. That's true. This is true. Well turning. Um, Sean, where can we find you online? Uh, Just um, go to Mm -hmm. www.rugbyleagueproject.org. I've got a little website there I set up. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you might enjoy it. Excellent, excellent. And where, like can, where, where can we find you online, Andrew? Um, at leaguefreak.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be writing some sweet content. Nice, nice. About uh, how good whales are at rugby league. Yeah, Hang wow, on. short website, eh? I like them small, small form writing. That's fan cool. sites. Yeah, fan <laughs> sites. I think um, I can guess League Freak's website. Is it www.desperatehousewivesofmatruitt.com.au? You know what would be good about that is that you've already got the camera set up because they're at, you know, Penrith train station. Mm. You just need to get some <laughs> better lighting down there. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. These are my and, people. These are my people you're making fun of. How yeah. dare you? Oh, you know, we, we can make it a bit even if you want because there was you know, a bit of murdering that went on in the car park at the um, shopping centre down near my house here a couple of weeks ago. I saw that. See, that yeah. stuff doesn't happen around where I live. We kill you in the bush. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit more brazen down here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stick with what you know, I guess, is what the, what's going on down here. Exactly. Ropes Creek. <laughs> We're going to put Ropes Creek on the map. That's our plan for the next 500 episodes. <laughs> well, uh, look, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you, Sean, for coming on and carrying the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's always been a pleasure. Um, you the man and League Freak, well done on 500 episodes. You've done more of them than I have. Yeah, you've done good. We should celebrate your 500th episode, eh? Yeah, that's in about 30 episodes time. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it the uh, with the same thing that happened with uh, Terry Lamb. Absolutely, that sounds fair. Um, make sure you check us out on the socials, everybody, and uh, we'll catch us all next time. <laughs>